You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Enemy Lines, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Listen in as we go in-depth with beat writers that cover Tiger opponents. What's the vibe around their team? What are the matchups to watch out for? Who will win the game? All these questions will be answered. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a new Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. We call this podcast Behind Enemy Lines. Y'all know what we're doing, man. We're going behind enemy lines with Tiger opponents. We're talking to beat writers that cover Tiger opponents. And I am excited that we got um, a really, really good interview with this uh, for the first episode. We got Paul Jones with Bulldogs 247, the Mississippi State uh, 247 affiliate. Paul is the uh, is a co-publisher with Bulldogs 247, covers Mississippi State and their football team. Paul, welcome to the show, man. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely, man. How are things going? I know it's, it's game week, man. How, how, how's everything going over there in Starkville? Yeah, it's crazy, man, when you're, when you're in this industry, and I know you feel the same way. Uh, you know, when you were a kid or a teenager <clears throat> loving football, you couldn't wait for, for the season opener to arrive. But when you're in this business and you're so busy in the month of August, you look up and, hey, it's here. It's game week. And uh, things kind of actually – you know, I have people all the time ask you, well, your life's about to change. Like, well, it, it kind of gets into a routine. You get into right. a routine. August and July, those are the crazy months. You know, now that we September and the season started, hey, you you know what's going on. You know what you're doing. And uh, just, a, just a regular routine. Absolutely. The routine is the routine is where it's at, man. I, I completely agree with you. Um, so let's get into this game, man. It's Wednesday. We're dropping this podcast on Wednesday. Um, so we got three days until the Tigers travel to Starkville to play uh, Mississippi State, which is um, obviously a a rematch from last year's game in Memphis. This game's going to have some heat on it, Paul. Um, from last year's game, the way that it ended, that punt return. Um, obviously, there's going to be some heat on it. I know Memphis fans are excited to get over to Starkville. I know I, know, I, I was on your boards a few days ago, and I know Memphis, I know Mississippi State fans still talk about last year's game um, and talk about how it ended and, and specifically that one play. But what is, and as, as you've talked to players and coaches, how do they view this game? Is this a sort of a revenge game for them, or is it just, hey, opening week, let's just get rolling 2022? You know, I – I think you would probably hear more of the revenge talk if it was a game that was the third or fourth or fifth game on the schedule. I mean, we're talking the season opener, so there's going to be emotions on both sides regardless of what happened last year. I mean, you know, you you talk about some of their SEC rivals. You do tend to think more about what happened the year before and the revenge factor. But, you know, I'm sure it's in the back of their heads that, that they want to make up for last year. But I think the overall 
mood is just about getting the season opening and, and you know, wanting to start out 1-0. So, obviously, you've been covering the team since, you know, you've been you've been with the team. We talked before we got actually went live here. You've been with the team for 25, almost 30 years at this point. Um, since you've been covering, since the offseason, you know, coming into this year, training camp, summer workouts, all those things, What's the vibe of the team right now in Mississippi State? Like, what what are the thoughts? Like, the coaches, how are they feeling about the team? Like, what are the fans thinking? How are you – what have you seen out there? You know, I think it's a very quiet, confident team. Um, and you would expect that with, you know, 16, 17 returning starters back. And, you know, really the only shakeup that they have was on special teams this year. Obviously – the number one loss was Charles Cross at left tackle, but they returned just about everybody else on the offensive line. And defensively, uh, you know, you're talking eight or nine starters back. I mean, they returned their entire two deep defensive line. Plus, they get Jordan Davis back, who is a Memphis native. Uh, Jordan tore his ACL last year, and I think in the first preseason scrimmage. So uh, it's big to get him back. But just that experience, uh, just that level of, of – don't want to call it comfortability, but they're comfortable with each other. You know, they, they know what to expect. The coaches know what to expect. It, you know, training camp, you're always going to have new guys, freshmen, transfers, especially this day and age with transfers, learning the system. And, you know, most of the, some of those guys get here in the spring and are able to do that. But, you know, with this such a veteran group, it was more about fine-tuning things in training camp rather than teaching guys this or that. You know, you may – who knows how the depth chart will shake out Saturday. Um, you know, there's always a surprise or two, but the majority of those guys on that depth chart are going to be juniors and seniors. Um, and and that's, it's without a doubt the most experienced team that Mike Leach has had. So I, I think there's a, a lot of quiet confidence with this bunch and, uh, you know, a lot of kids that have grown up and got thrown to the fire in that COVID year in 2020. And, you know, you're – you talk about getting thrown to the fire as a true freshman. I, I think getting thrown to the fire in that 2020 season was a little bit different feel, especially for true freshmen that are coming into Mike Leach's system. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about a program that has been run first for many, many, many years. Uh, sometimes they've been balanced, but more times than not, they've been run first and you do a complete 180 with the air raid offense. So, if I had to sum up training camp this year, it'd be a lot less learning and a lot more trying to get better at what you're doing. So, uh, you know, just for full disclosure with um, anybody who's listening to this podcast, you know, I, I, I've wrote, um, I helped with an article for Bulldogs 247 uh, behind the enemy lines um, for you guys. It's going to drop at the same time that we're doing this podcast. And we talked about that a little bit. We talked about in, in some of the, the um, answers that I gave to the questions that you had. You know, that is one of the things about the Tigers, I think, this offseason that everybody's got questions about is Silverfield had to make two new major hires on his um, in his coordinator's um, positions. He hired a new offensive coordinator, hired a new defensive coordinator. And I think that that, you know – you talked about Mississippi State, you know, it not being a lot of teaching this year, this offseason, but more so kind of tightening things up and, and you know, not having to relearn a system. 
And I do think that that's going to be an issue, I think, for the Tigers this week, especially with opening week, is having a new defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator. It is. And, you know, it takes a while sometimes to get that going. And, and you you know, let's be honest, you really don't know until the bullets start flying for real. And and that's when you see how guys react to different coordinators. And, you know, it's been a it's been a strong suit for Leach since he's been here is that continuity of that staff. <clears throat> you know, his first staff, he uh, he maintained everybody. And then this past season, the only person he lost was uh, Dave Nickel as a receivers coach. Unfortunately, um, Dave passed away. He, he went to Southern Cal staff and, and, and died unexpectedly with a cancer. And um, his replacement, they, they did move some guys around, though. It's still some of the same faces. But like Drew Hollingshead, he was a, a longtime GA for Leeds going back to Washington State. Uh, he took over the inside receivers job. And then Jason Washington, who coached running backs last year, he is now the running backs coach. And I'm sorry, Jason Washington coached safeties last year. Now he's the running backs coach. Eric Mealy, who coached running backs last year, he's now the special teams coordinator. So just a couple switches there. But the guys, you know, they know them. They know their faces. They know what they're about. Uh, and, and that can be big sometimes in college football, keeping that staff together, especially in this day and age where we see guys leaving – left and right all the time right. but you know it, it 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 can take a while to get used to those coordinators especially when when games are live and, and you have to see how how your players respond to that yeah it's it's been interesting and, and I even discussed this with you in the article that we wrote for your site it it has been you know having covered Ryan Silverfield's um, team since he joined you know, as the head coach, obviously prior to that was the offensive line coach at the University of Memphis, but he has notoriously been very, very tight-lipped about his expectations and and even his how he feels about his team. And I wrote in this article, I wrote in the article um, that's going to drop on your site that he has been unexpectedly very vocal about his confidence in this team, um, even with the new coordinators, even with. Uh, you know, starting forty-two percent of his, the, the start, forty-two percent of his starters are are um, freshmen or true sophomores this year. Um, that he has been kind of shockingly very, very, very vocal about how how confident he is in this team um, and the growth that he's seen. And I think part of that goes to having. Um, continuity at the quarterback position. You know, last year as starting as a true freshman, which is kind of unheard of having the year that Seth Hennigan had turned a lot of heads and he came in this year with a um you know back into a quarterback battle with Grant Gannell but within a few weeks immediately won that position and and the team is clearly his now it's clearly Seth Hennigan's team you know from your perspective as you know covering an opponent that's going to be facing Seth Hennigan what are you looking for from the Mississippi State defense in terms of playing against a guy like Seth Hennigan who had such a good good year last year but is coming in and is now a, a true sophomore returning quarterback that will have developed his game even more? Well, I can guarantee you Seth has Mississippi State's attention. And when you can have a difference maker at quarterback, it, it makes the world go round. And, you know, you can offset some weaknesses just by having a difference maker at quarterback. And Seth showed that last year. I mean, especially being a true freshman, um, 
you know, Mississippi State's defense is it's not going to be, like I said, it's an experienced group, and it's going to be more of the same uh, that you've seen under Zach Arnett, defensive coordinator. They're going to blitz, and they're going to blitz from all over. It, you know, they could blitz corners, safety, linebackers. I mean, it's, it's going to be from all over, and uh, sometimes Mississippi State fans get mad at him because he blitzes too much, and he leaves his, his corners or safeties in zero coverage and, and hang them out to dry if you miss that blitz, if you miss that shot at the quarterback. Uh, you know, one thing I'm watching very closely, Kenny, is is Mississippi State's secondary because they they had some a lot of ups and downs last year, uh, gave up a lot of big plays, uh, good against the run, but gave up a lot of big plays in the passing game. And, of course, they lost Martin Emerson, cornerback. Uh, you know, I'm sure Memphis fans remember him. He was the one that was supposed to down the punt. Thought he did, whatever. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he's in the NFL now doing great in the Cleveland Browns camp, as everybody expected he would. But, you know, you look at him leaving and you, you see a big void at first. But, uh, man, the emergence of DeCamion Richardson, sophomore cornerback, He's pretty much nailed down that starting position left behind by Emerson, but uh, it's a lot more depth at cornerback this year. Marcus Banks, Alabama transfer. Didn't get to see a lot of him in the spring when he came here because he was banged up and in and out of spring practice, but uh, he's been impressive in training camp. And, you know, he gives him a solid top three cornerback rotation with Emmanuel Forbes, DeCamion Richardson, and Marcus Banks. And, uh, you know, they, they've added some more guys. Hunter Washington, Florida State transfer, uh, have a veteran senior size first. So the depth, even though they lost Emerson, the depth is actually better at corner. And you can say the same thing as safety. Uh, probably the, the most impressive transfer so far, we'll see how the season plays out. But to me, maybe the most impressive transfer has been Jackie Matthews, uh, safety from West Virginia. Uh, guy, he easily has the best speed in that safety's room. He's physical. Um, it can really play well. And, and Corey Ellington's a sophomore who started late last year when they had some injuries. But I think their depth is, overall is better. Uh, and I think that front group, starting group, is better with the addition of Matthews. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
so you know obviously we've you've kind of gone into um some of the players that are stepping in to take over for some of those players that have left to go to the NFL or have lost eligibility um you know the Tigers are having to fill in um some gaps as well obviously Calvin Austin the third the punt returner and all-america quarterback I mean a uh, wide receiver um they lost uh their tight end and Sean Dykes who you know left Memphis as the the best tight end to ever play at Memphis um he was almost like a a, a bigger slot receiver he was he was less of a of a run blocking tight end he was more of a, a slot receiver who could catch anything and everything that was thrown to him and then also they obviously lost Dylan Parham who was you know just a fantastic offensive lineman played multiple positions um, for the Tigers has gone on to the Las Vegas Raiders and um, even got some center center snaps um, you know during the preseason which hilariously enough never even played center at Memphis but you know got some snaps and is expected to I think to be a starter for Las Vegas this year um you know you talked about your, your the the secondary at, at Mississippi State and some of the 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 the, the roles that are going to be that had to be replaced some of the players that had to be replaced and the the, the people that are going to step in to me the wide receiver room at the University of Memphis is along that same lines of of losing some guys, but Silverfield from the very beginning of the summer has called his wide receiver room the deepest he's ever had at the University of Memphis. Um, And I think all of us would say, absolutely, they have seven, eight guys that could probably get out there and and produce, um, but they don't have a Calvin Austin out there yet. And and so I guess that's the question that that Memphis fans are going to be asking is, who's going to step up and be that guy? So it almost is like, that matchup between the wide receivers and the cornerbacks and the safeties is going to be along the same lines between Memphis and Mississippi state in terms of, you know, who's going to step up and that's going to be a big, a big matchup that, that, that I think Tiger fans are going to, and Tiger fans and Bulldog fans are going to want to pay attention to. What are some other matchups that you see um, out there that you're interested in watching that, that you think will sway the game either way? Well, I mean, not to steal from you, but, uh, you know, the wide receivers at Mississippi State is kind of the same boat. I mean, you lose Makai Polk, who came in. Right. Former Cal transfer, played here just one year. But in one year in the air raid, he set school school records with over 100 catches, over 1,000 receiving yards. They don't have a Makai Polk on this receivers team, but it may be – it's deeper with more Mm -hmm. options. And there's been more competition, which has raised the level. I'm sure it's been the same way at Memphis – and what you were just talking about, when you have more options, it raises the competition. It raises the level of play of everybody involved. You know, one of the top guys that I saw, and I'm anxious to see how he does against Memphis's secondary because of his size, talking about Caleb Dunking, guy 6'4", 200, runs a sub 4'5". Uh, he was probably, since, you know, counting spring and training camp, he's probably been the most consistent receiver on the team. He's got a career eight catches. He had eight catches last year because he played behind Polk. You know, it wasn't necessarily something Ducking wasn't doing. It was because Polk was so great last year. Uh, he shot this year. <clears throat> you know, you, you've got guys that can spread it around at the wide receiver. And, and the key is going to be, to me, is we've seen this in training camp, and we'll see if it carries over to the season. But I've seen a more – confident Will Rogers at quarterback 
when it comes to testing secondaries, he's testing, he's trusting his arm more. And what I mean is we saw him throw into a lot of tighter windows and, and he, and he's got a stronger arm this year, stronger arm this year, and he's trusting him more. You know, he's, he's not shying away from throwing into double coverage when he sees an opportunity there. He's not shying away from that. And that's leading to 20, 30 yards down the field. You know, one misconception people think of the air raid, and you saw this last year, people think air raid, oh, you're you're dropping back in shotgun, you're throwing 40, 50 yard verticals every play. Well, that's that's not what the air raid does. They not at least not under Mike Leach. There's a lot of dump off passes, a lot of passes to the backs, a lot of slot receivers sitting down in the zone. Uh, those eight, nine yards, you know, basically what other teams look at as, oh, we got a six yard run. That's great on first down. Mississippi State does that, but it's a six yard pass on first down. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm anxious to see how Will attacks that secondary of Memphis and if he keeps continue to trust his arm. You know, that is one of the interesting things about the Memphis secondary is obviously they're starting a true freshman cornerback at one position, Greg Rubin, who um, led the lead, led the nation last year for, for a majority of the season with pass breakups, you know, was a really good player. It's a true freshman. He's got that one cornerback position locked down. The question is, is who's going to be the next guy up with him at the cornerback position? Um, they have a deep group of of cornerbacks in that room but who's going to be that guy to step up and 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 play alongside Greg I think I think the Tigers secondary is they are who they are I have a feeling I think that they could be one of the best safety group safety tandems in in the AAC this year potentially in the country with fifth year senior uh Quindell Johnson and Rodney Owens I mean these guys are and you know Quindell probably probably be playing on Sundays next year. Um, just a fantastic, fantastic safety. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, that, that game, that gamesmanship between Will Rogers and the, the, the secondary for the university of Memphis. Um, one of the interesting things about Memphis this year and their defense is they, they, they've definitely switched schemes, you know, under Mike McIntyre last year, there was kind of a bend, bend, but don't break three man front, you know, zone zone coverages, things like that. With under Matt Barnes, former interim DC at Ohio State, now down at Memphis as the defensive coordinator, um, he'll run a lot of different schemes. But but I think the base is going to be a um, high intensity four man front with a lot a lot of pressure um, in the backfield. Um, how do you think in in your estimation how? Would is getting pressure that matchup between the front the front and the defensive line for the University of Memphis and the offensive line for, for Mississippi State? How important is that the the trenches right there? It may be the most important matchup uh, in my opinion because, like I mentioned earlier, Contravious Johnson is expected to be the starter at left tackle. Um, Former four, former four star recruit from by twenty four seven sports, but he's not Charles Cross, and you know Charles is the best offensive tackle I've ever covered here. Uh, they just need him to be good. They don't need him to be Charles Cross. <clears throat> you will also have a new starter at right tackle, although it's a familiar name, Cameron Jones, who has started the previous two years at right guard, 
they've moved him to right tackle. Um, you know, that's one of, you know, the knocks against Will is he's got to increase that, that clock in his head. He, he's got to get faster. He's got to feel the pressure. He's got to be able to step up. You know, Will is not going to be Dak Prescott. He's not fishing to rush for 150 yards. Uh, he knows that. He, his job is to stay in the pocket. If he has to extend plays with his legs, he's got to be able to do that this year. He's got to be able to step up in the pocket or go outside the pocket and still complete passes. But, you know, on this offense, it's about getting the ball out two to three seconds. And, you know, that can <clears> – <throat> sometimes that can offset, you know, that, that pass rush from opposing teams. Uh, you know, sometimes guys are going to get a, a clear clear shot at him. You know, they're going to leave somebody untouched. Uh, depending on the scheme, and it's up to Will to get it out quicker than he did last year. Um, you know, not to not to skip beat, but to me, I think special teams. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of fun that, but after last year, but to me, special teams may be the biggest unknown. Not because they don't have talent, but just because they're fixing to have a whole new kicking game. Uh, they brought in a transfer punter from UMass. Archer Trafford is back. Uh, he punted last year, uh, but as far as the kicking game, Massimo Biscardi, uh, former Coastal Carolina transfer, the guy I think is like 87% career field goals. Uh, so that should be a step up from last year. And they also have a good kicker in Ben Raybon, a, a transfer from Northern Colorado. He will probably handle the kickoffs and maybe the longer field goals. Uh, I know we're talking different air here, but he had a 57-yarder in Northern Colorado last year. But I think fans are wanting to see how they how that does because the kicking game was, let's be honest, it was brutal last year. You know, Brandon Ruiz from Arizona State did a great job his first year when he transferred in, but he got hurt last year. Right. And that left Mississippi State with a true freshman kicker that was not ready. Um Man, you look at their losses last year. You barely lose to Arkansas. You missed three field goals. You lose to LSU by three points. You missed three field goals. I mean, there were so many games last year where the kicking game absolutely killed them. Uh, and I think that's probably – just like I mentioned earlier to you, Kenny, they pretty much know what to expect on offense and defense. A lot of the same names, same faces. But special teams is probably the biggest question mark as far as can they get it done. It's the same way with Memphis. Our our kicking game, our special teams last year, was was really really bad. Um, and I mean, it got down to the point where, you know, Silverfield was having to go for fourth and eights in field goal range because we didn't have a field goal kicker. The Tigers didn't have a field goal kicker. Um, their 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 field goal kicker transfer, um, you know, hurt himself at the very beginning of the season, and they had to. Um, put out a field goal kicker. Um, their punter Joe Doyle became the field goal kicker, and he hadn't kicked a field goal since a freshman year in high school. So um, it was it was rough all the way around. So I think I think your insight on that is actually really really good because from what I've seen, the special teams for Memphis is going to be a lot better this year. They have two field goal kickers that they that have been battling this whole off season. Um, that are actually true field goal kickers. Um, so it's going to be interesting to me to see how the special teams does this year. And I think it is the big question mark, I think, for the Tigers program. That's the biggest question mark is 
winning and losing games. The Tigers were so close to winning a lot of like a, a lot of their games that they played in, and a lot of it was because of special teams. So um, it's such an important part of the game. And and you know that is about transfers. We talk about transfer portal, and of course, quarterbacks and running backs get all the attention. But the transfer portal, if you if you look at the history of recruiting kickers and punters, is probably more beneficial to kickers. Talking about 100%. the tr- because most of your kickers are walk-ons. So if there's a good one in the portal, guess what? They're going to offer you a scholarship. You're going to have a guaranteed scholarship. And you know that's what Mississippi State did. They went out and got the punter from UMass. Um, scholarship uh massimino massimo biscardi scholarship um so, you know those guys really benefit and and you know to to give them credit and and like i said like always the season will tell the tale but uh only saw the kickers have one bad day and it was in their first scrimmage and of course fans went oh here we go again but you know i i bet biscardi hit probably 90 percent of his field goals and team drills and scrimmages it came back to second scrimmage and i think he was three of three or four or four um so i i'm anxious to see how that group performed because you know it's it's just i know it's different conferences but you just explained it is life in the sec you're gonna have one possession games you're gonna have not just one possession games you're gonna have one or two point games that can quickly flip by making a field goal or, or missing a field goal. And you're right, you know, towards towards the end of last year after Ruiz got hurt, Leach did the same thing. You know, fourth and seven, fourth and six, you know, at, at the opponent's 30, they weren't trying to field goal. They were going for it. Scott Frost just entered the chat and said he agrees that one possession <laughs> games are extremely important. Exactly. All right, so let's end the episode, man, with some predictions. Um, we don't have to go scores. I'm 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 not I'm not well versed enough to to start giving out scores, but in your opinion, I'll give my opinion after yours. Um, how do you see this game going? Who do you think is going to win? Is it going to be close? What are, What are your thoughts on it? You know, Mike Leach's team is. You know, Mississippi State fans got the entire Mike Leach experience last year in one season. Um, you saw a team that had to use a miraculous comeback to beat Louisiana Tech in the season opener last year. That same team went to Texas A&M a week before A&M beat Alabama and, and won at College Station. Um, you really never know what you're going to get with Mike Leach's team. Now, I think it will benefit him this year having an older, experienced team that are able to overcome adversity. Um, you know, we, we talk about a lot of people focus so much on that punt return last year in Memphis. But to me, the difference in that game was after Emmanuel Forbes had the interception and Mississippi State was going down to make it a three-score game, five, uh, f- three or four tries inside the five, and they throw incomplete passes. You score there, you probably put the game away. Uh, you're up 17 points. They didn't. Memphis comes back with a 95-yard drive. Mississippi State was never able to recover from that adversity. You know, we like to single out the punt return because of what time it happened. But the game really flipped when Memphis had that goal line stand right there and responded. Mississippi State never overcame that adversity. I think they have the maturity and the experience to overcome early adversity. I think 
You know, I think Mississippi State, especially on the defensive side, I uh, can't say that offensive line yet until I see them in a the game. But I think Mississippi State has an advantage in the in the trenches on the defensive line, especially with everybody back. Um, I, I think they will wear Memphis's offensive line down. I think it's a game that, you know, you could look up and it could be a one or two score game going into third, fourth quarter. And, you know, then we'll see what happens in those final 15 minutes. But, you know, Memphis has talent. And, you know, I think no matter what the spread is or what, Mississippi State fans respect that history with Memphis, and they've seen it happen before. Um, so there is no – you know, this isn't you playing Bowling Green or somebody like that. This is Memphis with proven history. Uh, that They've always had good skill players, usually have a good quarterback. This year's no different. Uh, so they'll have to be on their game to, to, to get them away with a win. Were you surprised – I asked you this question, last question. Were you surprised that the spread is so big right now? I mean, I know it started off at – I think it's it was eight. I think it was too high to begin with. It's starting to come down. Um, you know, in, in fact, it's come down a little bit, like two or three points more than you would normally see. Now, it, this was a game in the middle of the season and injuries were coming out. You could understand a drop like that. But I, I think – I think they set that line too high intentionally, you know, to, to draw in more money on Memphis. You know how all that works. And then even it out as game week comes, which we're we're here now. But uh, I will say I was a little surprised at how, that, how, line, how high that line was initially. You know, I think off, you know, when, when the schedule came out, knowing that the Tigers had, you know, just replaced their offensive and defensive coordinator, um, Obviously, man, losing Calvin Austin and losing Dylan Parham and losing Sean Dykes, um, I, th I, th I think most media here in Memphis said the Tigers are going to give Mississippi State a game. Will they win in Starkville? Maybe not. Silverfield's confidence in this team has, I think, kind of jarred media members to go okay what what's going on behind the scenes that we don't know about and trying to find out what that is like what what is it and I, and I legitimately think you know as 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 the team the team is very young like I said starting 42 percent of their players starting are freshmen and sophomores um, but there is talent and experience all over the board for the Tigers especially on the defensive side of the ball Um. I think Memphis going to I, – I think Memphis can make this a close game. I do. I think that they can be – I think they'll be in the game. Um, I think most betting people would say that Mississippi State will probably win this game, especially it being in Starkville with the the level of experience they have on the team. Um, but I would not be surprised to see Memphis come in and give Mississippi State a hell of a game and make it close and hopefully have – a chance to pull it out at the end. Um, I, I, there's, there is a level of quiet confidence about Silverfield and his program that just makes me go, okay, he knows something that we don't know right now. And, and I'm very interested to see what that is. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you can, it's funny because you could do a history of this and of course it would take a lot of research, but you saw a lot of the, you know, several games this past weekend, what they call week zero. 
some of those teams in that season opener are not going to look nothing like they were any at any point the rest of the season. You know, that, that season opener is, is such a coin toss. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know how guys are going to react. Obviously, turnovers can, can flip a game in a hurry. Uh, it's, it's such a mystery. And, you know, we're, we're guilty, too, in the media. We, we draw way too many conclusions on that first game. Um, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, probably Mississippi State's, well, there's no probably to it, their best season in a long time was 2014. Um, ended up being ranked, you know, number one for four or five weeks. We're in the, the playoff discussion. And I think it was their third or fourth game of the season. They had to hold off UAB. Hmm. They gave four points to UAB. You know, they, they kept running the same go route. And I think one of their receivers had like 200 receiving yards. You know, they exposed that matchup. You never know uh, early in the season because uh, some guys are trying to figure out their roles. Some guys are not ready for the prime time yet. They're not ready for the lights. Uh, it's just so many things that you're not counting on can happen in that season opener. And, and your team may not look like that again the rest of the year. So, uh, regardless of what happens Saturday, my best advice is is don't draw too many conclusions off that first game. I think that's fantastic advice, Paul. Thank you. Listen, man, I really appreciate you joining. I know you're extremely busy just like we are over here. Opening week, it's time to get it. Man, I'm excited to, uh, um, to get to Starkville, get to Stark Vegas and have fun over there and, and, and watch a great game. So thank you again for joining me. And um, good luck this, this year, man. Have fun covering this team. I think you are going to have a fun year this year. Appreciate it, man, and look forward to seeing you Saturday. Thank you for listening to Behind Enemy Lines. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in content all about the University of Memphis Tiger Athletics, hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Also, you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for our VIP membership.